forgiveness is important because it separates your identity, your energy, <clears throat> and your future from your abuser. As long as you are holding the grudge and clinging to the story of this horrible person did this to me, mm-hmm. part of that story still ties you to them if they don't continue to point fingers at the other person. You did this, you did this, you did this. You are an abuser. You are an awful person. They're afraid if they let go of that story, Mm -hmm. then it means that somehow they, the victim, deserved what happened to them. You're listening to the On Call Show. Welcome to another episode of the On Call Empath. I'm your host, Raj Mantaj. Today I have a guest by the name of Rachel S. Heslin, and uh, she's been studying psychology for 35 years. In fact, uh, her father was a clinical psychologist, um, and basically she was introduced to neuro-linguistic programming concept when she was only nine years old, which is very fascinating. And that's something I want to kind of talk about in this uh, episode as well. Um, Rachel is currently an author life. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're here today. I want to pick your brain about many things. And uh, if you can kind of give us a little bit of overview about uh, the work you do and a little bit about the neuro-linguistic programming, I'm very fascinated about that. Well, when my dad was getting his degree, he would come home and not only practice on me and my brother, but he would explain what it was that he was doing and why, which is a really interesting way to grow up. What I know, what I discovered about neuro-linguistic programming is at its essence, it means the stories that we tell ourselves. And Depending on the type of story that we tell ourselves, the words that we use, the meaning that we assign to them, it can impact not just our experience of the world, but the opportunities that are available to us. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you frame things in your head, you may or may not recognize what some of the possibilities might be. Right. And one of the interesting things about growing up like this is it's become ingrained as just how I see the world. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly fascinated by why people who seem to be in the same type of situation are doing very different things. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to look inside their heads and see, well, what is the story that they're telling? Right. That affects how they react to a situation. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of my uh, my proof of concept because I'm looking at my own stories because heaven knows I have a lot of them. <laughs> but I like I've learned how to play with my stories mm-hmm. and look at things in different ways and see, well, what feels good? What 
feels like something that is aligned with who I am and who I want to be? Mm-hmm. And what type of stories have I actually picked up from other people that are constricting and just me trying to shove myself in a box? Mm-hmm. And living my life this way, I've there's part of me that's constantly assessing and analyzing am I actually living the life I want to live? And from that, I've realized all of these things that I've learned that have helped me become in greater harmony with my life could probably help other people as well, which Mm -hmm. is how I moved into writing books and trying to share, hey, this may not be applicable to everybody, but if you've had an experience that's similar to what I've had, maybe the things that I've done can help you too. Right. That makes sense. Um, And so one thing I wanted to kind of dig into, and this seems to be a very, um, very important topic, especially with the empaths and highly sensitive people that have been through like a traumatic event. Um, usually by a an abuser and sometimes forgiveness is a very hard thing to do um and i wanted to ask you you know why is forgiveness so important as far as the healing process and moving on and and if you can kind of shed some light on that forgiveness is important because it separates your identity, your energy, and your future from your abuser. Mm -hmm. As long as you are holding the grudge and clinging to the story of this horrible person did this to me, Mm -hmm. part of that story still ties you to them. And it gives, it gives them power over you to still affect how you live your life. Now, having said that, forgiveness isn't something that just happens. Uh, you want to be careful, uh, careful about trying to forgive too soon. Because one of the reasons that some people, especially victims of abuse, run into is in the back of the head their head they're afraid that if they don't continue to point fingers at the other person you did this you did this you did this you are an abuser you are an awful person they're afraid if they let go of that story mm-hmm. then it means that somehow they the victim deserved what happened to them and that's not true at all, right? but it is something that gets stuck in our heads, especially abuse, if it's one of the ones where the victim was shamed into not telling anyone else, or if, in, if the emotional aspects of the abuse were designed to ingrain that feeling of deservedness. I mean, there's a 
a quote. There's a, an online comic called XKCD that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the actual comment was. But when you rolled over it, the words that popped up said, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words make me think I deserve it. Mm. And that really stuck with me because that is the, I mean, for a lot of abusers, abusers, that's their most powerful weapon mm-hmm. of molding the victim into believing that somehow they brought it on themselves. Right. And that's not true. Yes, I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And it's just that a lot of the people that I've uh, come across and, and, you know, also myself personally, it is very difficult to to forgive somebody who has abused you. Um, and we're, especially the empaths and highly sensitive people, we're very, we're very... Um, we take a lot on. Yeah. Emotionally. And, yes. And we're just afraid to also um, confront our abusers because we're, we, we're still wondering, like, how, how come they never, you know, said they're sorry or, you know, they did such horrible things to us um, and they have no clue. They walk around like nothing's wrong and that's that's what makes it so difficult to forgive um and i know a lot of people that have cut people out of their lives where even no family or or uh, you know a spouse or husband wife where they just go cold turkey and they just shut up shut them off completely and at that point no matter even if they say they they've moved on or you know verbally say that they forgave them um, their body language and their actions say something totally different. And that's what I wanted to ask you about what happens, you know, when somebody is kind of in denial and they're well, like, oh, yeah, I'm over it. It is it's is a self-protection thing. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing to recognize. My approach towards any behavior that appears to be self-destructive. I I believe any behavior that appears to be self-destructive has a positive intention. So I make an effort to always come from a place of love and compassion. Mm -hmm. Because what they are attempting to do is something positive. Mm -hmm. It's just not the most elegant or efficient way of doing it, and it ends up hurting them in different ways. Because when you chop off a relationship, as opposed to withdrawing your energy from it, you end up cutting off part of yourself. Mm. If you do not make your peace with I want to say what happened, no matter how horrible it is, a lot of horrible things happen. Mm -hmm. I I mean, that's one of the reasons I differentiate between acceptance and allowing, Mm because there's an awful lot of stuff out in the world 
I do not accept. But I need to allow it. Because if I focus too much of my energy on condemnation, it ends up shriveling my own heart. Mm. And that is not what I want to do. Yes. And, you know, as I get older, you know, it, it makes more sense. And the more people I talk to and the more guests that I've had on this show who, you know, they've, they've basically been through hell and back, like, you know, by the hands of narcissists and just evil, dark manipulators. And when I bring up the word forgiveness, they are, they almost like, they almost like give me a, uh, a really bad look because it's like in their eyes, they think that they're forgiving that person, but in essence, and tell me if I'm off here, when you forgive somebody, you're doing it for yourself. And that's a concept that I was foreign to for a long time. I didn't accept it. I didn't understand what, what does that mean? And it doesn't apply to me, but now I'm starting to embrace that. There, there are actually two parts of that. Yes, it is for the person who forgives. And the second part is that some people think that forgiveness is the same as saying that what the person did was okay. And no, if what they had done was okay, there would not be anything to forgive. Forgiveness is a deliberate choice of saying, you did something that hurt me deeply. And I am choosing to release your ability to hurt me further. Okay. Yes, that is powerful. And, uh, and it, you know, for me, that's, I mean, this is one of the hardest things, um, that I'm trying to do myself. And so I wanted to ask you just to, you know, kind of change gears here is, um, once we've decided, okay, we're going to forgive somebody when they, when this abuser is gone, whether they, you know, they die or, they're just gone from from your, you know where where you are it it's not going to it's not going to make things better right it's it, you're still going to um feel the same because i'm just wondering if it's out of sight out of mind does that do anything or not really the benefit of the abuser not being in your face all the time is that it's not the constant scratching at the wound mm. Yes. It's hard to heal when that presence is always there. So if that person isn't there, either because they died or because you've moved away, removed yourself from that situation, what that does, that's not the ending. That is simply giving you space to take the next step. And this is, 
uh, for a lot of people, before you can forgive someone else fully, you need to learn how to forgive yourself. And it's it it goes back and forth because for me, it's always been easier to forgive other people than to forgive myself because I feel like I should have known better. And that is that can be very poisonous when you're in the type of relationship that involves gaslighting, that involves somebody constantly denying your experience, dragging you down. And here's the thing about abusers. They may not have any idea that how they are coming across is abusive. Because let's face it, deeply empathic people are sensitive. We pick up on stuff. And whoever's whoever is impacting us may not even know what it is that they are doing to us. And that doesn't change that it still hurts, that it still does have an impact. One of the things that I use to differentiate between forgiving other people and forgiving yourself is while forgiving other people is about releasing their that connection mm-hmm. and bringing your energy back in when you forgive yourself in order for it to be effective you need to make a change because mm-hmm. what you have done in the past didn't work mm-hmm. and this can be scary because a lot of the times, the, the reasons that people stay in abusive, emotionally or physically damaging situations is fear of making it worse. Mm-hmm. So you're staying in that situation because you're trying to protect yourself and it ends up being damaging and the, you've let down your inner child. Yes. You're not protecting them. And it becomes this whole mess of, oh my God, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Therefore, this comes back to what I was talking about at the beginning becoming aware of your stories mm-hmm. and changing those stories to give you new ways of looking at things. It's not about blame. It's not about whose fault it is. And it's not about, oh, I should have done differently. And because I didn't, I'm a terrible person. What it is about is a complex collection of contributing factors. There are so many threads that are woven together to create the situation. Some of it has to do with what age you were when you first started feeling like you didn't matter. 
Some of it has to do with uh, societal messages about gender or race or what is expected of someone who looks like you. Some of the factors include how afraid you are of being physically hurt. Are you afraid of abandonment? Did you have something that happened when you were two years old, Mm -hmm. when you were crying for hours and your parents never came, and you learned that you can't count on them to protect and take care of you? Mm -hmm. And when you're two years old, you don't have the vocabulary to recognize this as a story that feels like truth. Right. And that little kid is still inside you and you may never you may not remember that happening but that can trigger a response when you're older that you cannot trust people to take care of you. Yeah. Being becoming aware of these as possible threads can help start to unravel the basket that the abuser has been holding you in mm-hmm. and that you've been held holding yourself in. If you have someone who berates you for being like, emotionally weak or you should be able to deal with this, that's a problem. Right. That is a contributing factor to low <laughs> self-esteem. Absolutely. And because human beings are dependent upon each other to survive, on some levels, we are hardwired to want to please other people. We want to get along with others. And if we are told, especially at a young age, this is what you need to do in order to be accepted into this family, Mm -hmm. then you're going to do your darndest to do that, even if it's not healthy. Yeah. But once you start recognizing the patterns, you can start questioning them and look at okay, this situation has played itself out over and over. What is one thing that I might be able to do differently that is small and would have minimal repercussions in order to test the possibility of shifting the pattern. And it's scary, especially for those who are still living with their abuser for whatever situation. I mean, there are lots of circumstances, especially now in COVID, everyone's finances are falling apart. If you have to be living with someone who is emotionally abusive, what is one thing that you can do to strengthen yourself on the inside? This is kind this is how forgiving the other person is related to taking your own power back because one of this this also comes back the difference between acceptance and allowing i love the energy of allowing mm-hmm. because in a lot of conflicts 
trying to stand up to the other person simply increases the conflict. And it riles them up and you don't want to be doing that. (laughs) At the same time, it's not an either or. You either stand up for yourself or you cower and feel terrible about yourself. Yeah. Um, Many abusers can sense the shift and feel threatened by it. Mm-hmm. This is a very real danger. And it is not insurmountable. I am not, like I said, you do, I, I am not going to tell people go out and confront your abuser. Mm-hmm. What I am going to do, my biggest recommendation for anybody is to set up some sort of internal practice to help soften your triggers and strengthen your awareness of what is going on around you so that you can respond to situations instead of simply reacting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um you have a lot of good, uh, you know, you definitely have some good information and, you know, something uh, I definitely needed to hear. So, um, but before we take off, is there anything you can quickly just kind of leave with us uh, while we wrap up here? I believe that every single one of us on this planet mm-hmm is born into the world perfect. We are born with wonder and curiosity and delight and grace. And then we start interacting with other people. And we start developing what I call corrugations, like corrugated cardboard, where we fold ourselves in on ourselves. But the truth is at our core. Each of us is still beautiful and perfect and worthy of love. And part of our journey is learning to find our way back to that. Mm-hmm. And then to help others find themselves as well. Very beautifully said. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so, guys, I hope you guys that are listening out there got some information out of this. Um, I certainly did. So thank you again, Rachel, for being on the pod. That said, um, if you guys could please hop on over and you know uh, check out the iTunes store, it really helps me out to bring more guests like Rachel on here. And with that said, we are out. You're listening to the On Call Impact.